A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard. It can move anywhere. Maybe. Concentrate on sin. Give priority to the detectors and the navigation systems. There is a corridor. And the corridor is time. It surrounds all things. On display, I eventually had to go down to the cellar. That's the display department. With a torch. The lights were probably gone. So had the stairs. You are just number six. I am not a number. I am a person. Welcome to British Invaders, episode 413. This is the podcast all about British science fiction television, and this time we are talking about Terry Pratchett's Going Postal. This is Brian from Canada. And this is Eamon from England. Hello. Yes, we are back in the crazy fantasy world of Ankh Morpork and the fantastic imagination of Sir Terry Pratchett himself. We are looking at this series of two 90-minute episodes, first broadcast on Sky TV in 2010. Another all-star cast, I should say, again up front for a Terry Pratchett production. And another wonderful facet of this sort of comic fantasy setting, Brian. Yes, absolutely. And this time with some of the shall we say, satirical elements or parody elements quite up front, which is nice. Indeed. So the setup, we are back in the city of Ankh-Morpork, which is a fantasy setting on Discworld, the world supported by four elephants on the back of a giant space turtle. And here we have Moist von Lipwig, an accomplished trickster who has made a successful living from deceiving people and organizations in Ankh-Morpork for many years. But eventually the City Watch do catch up with him and he is sentenced to death by hanging. All seems very grim to start with until Lord Vetinari, the uh, patrician of the city, saves him at the last moment and offers him a rather brutal choice. He is given the option of either an endless fall down a very deep pit, which I presume from the effects must descend down towards that giant space turtle, or he can become the city's postmaster and rescue the postal service from years and years of neglect. And of course... (laughs) Perhaps unsurprisingly, Moist chooses the postal job, but he's quite clear at the start that he sees this as an opportunity to do a runner and to escape his fate and doesn't intend to stick around very long in the job. But of course, Lord Vetinari has thought of this as well, and so he's assigned Moist this bodyguard and parole officer, Brian. Yes, we have Mr. Pump, this golem who will protect Moist von Lipwig, but also make sure he stays and does the job. So Moist has to deal with the antiquated systems and activities and the staff of this postal service that is just about not being used and not running at all at this point. And on top of that, the Postal Service has competition from a newer signaling system called the Clax. And, of course, there is a nefarious villain of the piece who is the owner of this system, the Clax. And as you say, Brian, we sort of into a satirical look at aspects of our own life and technology almost straight away with this one aren't we yes absolutely so getting into the characters moist von lipwig is played by richard coyle 
probably best known for the sitcom Coupling, but he was also a paranormal investigator priest in a series called Strange. Maybe we'll get to that at some point. But here he is a deceitful con man who is forced into dealing with the post office and all of these antiquated things and making it actually compete with the newer Clax system. And perhaps he may become a better person in the process. And one of the characters he would encounter which might help him with that journey or that uh, process of improvement is Adora Bell Deerheart, played by Claire Foy, who people will know now for playing Queen Elizabeth II in the first two series of The Crown. She plays the young queen. Uh, she is, Adora is the head of the Golem Trust, a support agency, almost like a union for golems. She has her own backstory as well, which is, it gives her a reason to dislike the Clax and its proprietor. And at sort of early on, faced with the implacable nature of Mr. Pump, Moist visits her at the Golem Trust, trying to find out more about golems and possibly how he can free himself. But of course, he then finds himself rather attracted to Adora, despite the fact that she's very fierce in her outward presentation. She tends to greet him with crossbow bolts, usually, Brian. Yes, Claire Foy gets to be much more angry and violent than she would later on as the Queen. Indeed. Lord Havelock Vetinari is played by Charles Dance, who is well-known now for Game of Thrones, where he was Tywin Lannister, but we saw him in Firstborn, and he has been in many things over the years, very well-established and respected actor, playing here the patrician lord of Ankh-Morpork, a stern, regal, sort of cunning character who assigns Moist to the Postal Service and sort of follows the tradition of having these distinguished British character actors in Terry Pratchett adaptations in the way that in other adaptations we had death being voiced by Ian Richardson and then Christopher Lee and then Brian Cox. So here's another distinguished actor in a different role, but being involved in the Pratchett universe. Absolutely, and he is... As you say, it's Charles Dance. He's, you know, he's wonderfully commanding and an impressive screen performance. And as you mention it, Brian, I, it occurs to me that he also, Charles Dance also turns up in later series of The Crown as Mountbatten, I believe. Yes, he does. So another connection there. But he's been in everything, Charles Dance, hasn't he? Yes, I think so. We've got another immediately impressive actor coming up next, playing Reacher Gilt, the unscrupulous owner of the Clax Company, David Suchet, no less, turning up as Reacher Guilt. You know, Hercule Poirot himself, Brian. I know we've talked about him doing voice work, particularly for the Phoenix and the Carpet in a series we haven't quite got to yet. I'm not sure. Have we seen David Suchet before? We have seen him certainly doing voice work, but yeah, I think we might have. He certainly was in Doctor Who at one point. Right. And the Clax, we should mention, is this sort of system of towers that transmit messages by using different combinations of shuttered lights 
And of course, it's out to destroy the post office as its main competitor in terms of passing messages across this fantasy world setting. And David Suchet is um, giving it the full evil in this performance. Yes, we don't get to see villainous performances from Suchet like that very often, but he can do it well. He certainly does here. He certainly does. Pump the Golem, played by Marnix van den Broek in this big suit contraption, and Nicholas Farrell doing the voice, is this huge clay creature who is very honest and helpful, but his job is to keep Moist von Lipwig in line, and he will do that without fail. Yes, he's great fun as a supporting character, as is... Tolliver Grote, the oldest employee of the post office, played here by Andrew Sachs, who, of course, we remember most famously as Manuel in Faulty Towers, and a lovely, charming and funny performance by Andrew Sachs here in this sort of bumbling assistant to Moist at the post office. Yes, absolutely. Andrew Sachs had a big career in classical stage work and radio and so on. But yes, he's certainly known for the comedy side from Faulty Towers, and he brings some of that here too, for sure. Stanley Howler, played by Ian Bonner, is a young postal worker obsessed with his collection of pins. And these are like basically straight pins, not badges or anything, but just pins. And it's a chance for Pratchett to make some observations and wry comments about collectors and the things that they collect. And it's almost impossible to watch Stanley and his obsession with his pin collection and not be reminded of our own collections and things that we obsess about. Yeah, Terry Pratchett, again, having some fun with an aspect of modern life. I think so, yes. You'll also see, I mean, there's, you know, the cast goes very deep on this one. Timothy West turns up as the wizard Mustrum Ridcully. Steve Pemberton from the League of Gentlemen is there as Drumknot. Ingrid Bolso Birdal plays the sort of fan favourite character, Sergeant Angua, the werewolf member of the City Watch, who, of course, is the one responsible for tracking down Moist at the very start of this story. So it's great, you know, there's a there's a big, impressive cast on this one, Brian. Yes, these Pratchett stories definitely attract that, and they certainly did here. And we do, of course, get a cameo from Sir Terry Pratchett himself as well. Which is always nice. Yes, especially now that he is no longer with us. Yeah. So as we've said, the fantasy setting of Ankh-Morpork is this wonderful world which allows Terry Pratchett particularly I think as the book series progressed, gave him a chance to examine all these different aspects of modern life and bits of history and to, you know, satirise them, to make fun of them to a certain extent, possibly to shine some light on them for us and, you know, make us see things in a slightly different way. And here he is in this one. He's clearly going for communications technology. He's looking at the bureaucracy the mischiefs that a large public organisation can get up to, particularly one that's fallen into disrepair, because the postal service of Ankh-Morpork is years behind, it would be fair to say. Moist is going to discover this very quickly. He has got a lot of work to do to bring the postal service into the modern era. 
quite a challenge for him, Brian. Yes, absolutely. And it's sort of this hopeless cause that he has to make his own. And of course, he is also pursuing Adora, who he is interested in, and finding out more about her family history and her life and how she relates to things and why she has a vested interest in seeing the clacks suffer and not do well. And of course, Reacher Gilt, who owns the clacks, is becoming more and more underhanded and dealing more and more sharply with the post office for every victory that Moist has. Absolutely, yes. And on top of that, we have Moist being haunted by visions of the people that he's cheated in the past and people that had suffered because of him. So this is sort of haunting in more than one sense. He's haunted by his past, but also a literal sort of ghostly haunting is there. And we've hinted that there is a sort of redemptive quality to the story of Moist in this series. But it would be fair to say that on his journey to becoming a better person, he's got quite a lot on his plate at this stage, Brian. There's an awful lot of stuff going on for him. Yes, absolutely. So it's time to get to our production notes about this Sky TV production of Terry Pratchett's Going Postal. This was their third adaptation. Hogfather came in 2006. Two years later, it was The Colour of Magic in 2008. And then this 2010 production. We have previously covered, obviously, those previous Sky adaptations. You can find those at BritishInvaders.com. You can also find when we did another Terry Pratchett show, Good Omens, which, of course, he wrote with Neil Gaiman. And since we did that one, of course, that will be coming back at some point in the future, Brian. Yes, that's right. Those first two Discworld adaptations had been produced, written, and directed by Vadim Jean. And for this one, he was an executive producer with a company called The Mob, which was taking over the production for this adaptation. And this was part of a $10 million investment into adapting three novels for, for Sky. The other two were not Pratchett. One was Chris Ryan strike back and the other was skellig by david almond and maybe we'll get to that one at some point mm-hmm. that one does look interesting in terms of the novel series going postal is the 33rd of a 44 book series of discworld novels It was originally published in 2004. It introduced the character of Moist von Lipwig, who is also the central character in two later novels, I believe. And in this time, it's been adapted for the screen, not by Vadim Jean, as you said, Brian, but this time by Richard Curti and Bev Doyle, the writing partnership, who have also done work for the BBC's Robin Hood series, for Primeval, for ITV, and another Sky series, Simbad. So they have that sort of genre credentials to them. They did a bit of radio work as well, I believe. And once again, we have Terry Pratchett getting the on-screen credit for Mucking About With. And this one was directed by John Jones. I love those Terry Pratchett credits. Yes. <laughs> Script mucked about with by Terry Pratchett. Yes, absolutely. A credit that he came up with himself, of course. 
It was filmed on location in Budapest in Hungary, which stands in quite well for Ankh-Mor Park. And there are on-screen appearances by some well-known Terry Pratchett fans. And as we mentioned earlier, Terry Pratchett himself does appear as well. And of course, the great joker Terry Pratchett said of his own performance that it took him six takes to master the simple art of just walking across a room uh, in typical fashion. I mean, we should point out, because he was extremely open about this, his diagnosis of Alzheimer's had been announced in 2007. So he was in the, the sort of you know, the midst of that illness at this stage. But even so, it's lovely to have his credit on screen and to see him, as you say, walking across a room, Brian. Yes, he gets sort of a moment there, which was nice. We should also mention, of course, it's a fantasy world. You need some fantasy characters. You need multiple golem suits, as it turns out. The costume department must have had quite a task making all those golems. And, of course, there is a character, a villainous character, a banshee called Mr. Grile. And the actor Adrian Schiller had to wear a rather sort of complicated, drippy makeup and costume for that. It's a sort of Nosferatu-type creature that very moist-looking, I would say, Brian. Yes, that was quite a creepy image, that character. The music for the series was composed by John Lum, who I think is now best known for composing the theme and the music for Downton Abbey. Hugely successful show. Absolutely. Terry Pratchett's Going Postal was broadcast on Sky One on May 30th and 31st, 2010. So if we look at the availability, you won't be too surprised to find out that it's reasonably easy to get hold of this one again. It was released on a Sky DVD and Blu-ray in 2010. Currently £20 and £30 for those two. We, we were musing about whether supplies are running short, which is why it's relatively pricey. The only extras that I can see on those disc releases are there's some production stills and a short introduction by Terry Pratchett himself. Or, of course, you can do what I've been doing, which is stream it. If you have a Sky TV or a Now TV subscription over here, you get it as part of the package. And I watched it with Now TV. And I should mention that the DVD is available also for rent on Cinema Paradiso, the DVD rental service, if you have a subscription there. But I couldn't find it on any other streaming sites here, Brian, in Region 2. What about in Region 1? In Region 1, there was a DVD and Blu-ray release. And like in the UK, it appears to be out of print at this point. Either one is selling for about $40 US at the moment. And I saw it listed for over $100 Canadian. There are cheaper used copies, but new copy is quite expensive. However, it is available on iTunes. I bought it for about $4 Canadian on iTunes, and I believe it's also available on Amazon Video if you are in the US. So there are some options for getting it that way. And the iTunes option sounds nice and cheap, at least. Yes, there are no extras with it, but that worked quite nicely. It won't surprise you to know that the novel Going Postal, of course, is widely available. I confess I've not read this one, but it is easy to get hold of. Yes, if 
if you want to do your 44 book read through of the Discworld novels, then you'll include that one in there somewhere. Yeah. So come back and join us next time as we get into a little bit more of the weird and wonderful nature of Ankh-Mor Pork. We'll talk about the sort of huge communications technology battle that this story is heading towards. And of course, we're going to review and recommend or not this story that you can get on disc or streaming and whether or not you should do. So plenty of stuff to talk about next time, Brian. Absolutely. Until then, you can find the other Pratchett discussions that we've released and over 400 episodes that we've done at BritishInvaders.com. Or if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find our group and join in on the discussion. You can also follow us on Twitter at at BritInvadersPod. And you can find us if you look at VogNetwork.com, which is the home of the Voice of Geeks Network. British Invaders is part of the Voice of Geeks Network. You will find our show there. You'll also find some other podcasts. You'll find gaming content and Twitch streaming and lots of interesting stuff usually happening at vognetwork.com. Absolutely. So thank you for listening. And this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much. Until next time, Eamon and England also signing off. <laughs>